It's 2019, I think. I'm David Robertson. And I at least was Christopher Carter the last time I checked. And we are the Religious Studies Project, along with all of the other people who do so much of the work. And this is what? Seventh year? Yes. That's astonishing. Which is absolutely insane. Um, But we're glad to be back. I'm certainly feeling a little bit dazed after having actually taken a bit of a holiday and then jumped straight into exam paper marking. But that's all done now as well. Hurrah! And the RSP is back after our brief holiday. Hope you enjoyed our Christmas special, or if you haven't yet, go and check it out. Our interview this week, though, um, we're sticking with... Uh, with Chris and I for a couple of weeks as interviewers. Yeah, we we hadn't done some for a while again, so here we go. And this one is Young People and Religion in a Global Perspective. And this is Chris speaking to Marcus Moberg and Sophia Sio. I am at the European Association for the Study of Religions Conference in Bern, and I'm joined today by uh, Marcus Moberg and Sophia Sio of the uh, Abo Academy University. And uh, they are both senior researchers on a massive project um, called the Young Adults and Religion in a Global Perspective Project. Yes, um, the YARG project. Um, and I thought this would be an excellent um, time for us to sit down and talk about this multinational, multi-researcher, polymethodic project, um, which will sit nicely with our interview that we did a couple of years ago with Naomi Thompson on... Um, religion, youth, and intergenerationality. So first of all, um, Marcus and Sophia, welcome to the uh, Religious Studies Project. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for making the time after your two intense panels this morning and on the third day of the conference after what was well, was an excellent night out last night, I thought. Um, of course went to bed really early. Oh, exactly, of course. Um, so just before we get into the, the broader topic, um, I've said you're working on this massive project, but but you both are individuals in your own right to do other things. So maybe you could take a moment just to say who you are and and your broader research interests and that sort of thing. Well, I do uh, most of my personal off-project research really in in the area of the sociology of religion and religion and media and also religion, language and discourse. Mm. I try to combine these and, and have different perspectives and approaches uh, cross-fertilize one another, if you will. And uh, some of these things I, I, I also bring to, to this project that, that, that we are now involved in. And, and, and this has been very much a team effort. And so uh, none of us are are that firmly personally really connected to this project in terms of research profiles. So we each bring our own uh, research profiles to the project and that makes, that makes it uh, quite unique and it makes the, the team, team dynamic uh, a bit different from, from what these types of projects usually, usually are or how they mm. end up being. So. Wonderful. And Sophia? Well, I have my background in religion, media, and popular culture research, but I've also worked a lot with religion and gender. And as Marcus was mentioning, that's we're bringing very different aspects into it. And uh, but of course, the last couple of years, it is this, the young adults that have been very much in focus for for our research. Mm. So before we get into the the broad topic then of young adults and religion, um, let's just 
tell me about the project. Um, how long has it been going on? Um, I know it involves multiple researchers, multiple sites, multiple methods. Um, so maybe give the listeners a flavor. It's a short version. When it's, this is a fourth year. Of course, it was planning before that as well and getting applying for funding and all of that. Uh, there are 13 contacts that we're studying. And we, I think we call collective about 40 to 45 researchers and research assistants worldwide. Wow. And we're using a method approach. And Marcus, go ahead and explain that. Well, basically, well, we do call it a mixed method approach. Right. We, we are that ambitious. And, and, uh, and because uh, not only do we use uh, multiple methods, uh, quantitative and qualitative, and in between uh, qualitative and quantitative types of, of, of instruments like the, the so-called fate Q sort that we have developed, but we also uh, we also correlate the results uh, of these um, of these methods and these instruments directly to one another, and so their combination allows us to uh, to get a type of, um, of of data that would not otherwise be, be possible. Mm. Uh, and and yeah, so it's for four years. Uh, I mean, we've been. Uh, oh, it's a four-year project, and three we're three and a half years in now, and. And it took about one, one and a half years uh, in in in, May, in the making before this, and we started planning this already a, a year or so uh, prior to 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 applying for 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 the funding that we eventually managed to land for mm. for for this one. So so it's been a a long long ride. It's been a part of our lives for quite some time. Yeah, and you're just getting to the point of maybe exorcising it, you know, getting the publications out. And, and that's what's on the table, yes. Writing, writing, writing. Excellent. Um, so um, I note, and um, I'm quite pleased that there's no UK case study in there. Um, again, listeners, check out our, our previous podcast for that. So multiple nations. Um, could you give us a hint of some of them and what the selection process was? You know, you've presumably tried to get quite a quite a broad spread and various demographics and things. Well, we really started with, with getting beyond the research that, that really exists, that is so much fo focused on the Western context. So starting to really try to use the networks of researchers in, in other parts of the world. Well, I guess we can list the countries. You're going to have to help me. Well, <laughs> it was also, it was also uh, to some extent, I mean, in the most general of terms, it was, it was the selection of countries was, was also based on, on the uh, Wenzel Engelhardt uh world values map mm. uh, and so uh, because it has this uh mm. this um the project has this uh basis in 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 value studies and, and worldview studies and so so they have um constructed basically a a, a map of where 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 uh of, of the whole world basically in regions that are characterized by different types of of, of main value profile. So, for example, people in some regions of the world tend to be more, more self-focused, perhaps, and more interested in, in developing themselves, whether others are more traditionally oriented and more security focused and, and so on. And so we got each, one country from each of these, uh, these, these regions on, on, on this theoretical map yeah so to say we're very happy about getting because mm -hmm. like i said we started with really trying with the challenging cases but we i mean we do have a lot of uh, still european context we have finland and sweden poland russia uh turkey 
Uh, let me go down. I, I have to have a world map in my head when I do That's this. That's brilliant, yeah. Israel, Ghana, Peru, the US, Canada, China, Japan, India. Is that it? Well, it's a pretty good stab at it. Anyway. <laughs> if you remember any um, later on in the interview, you can just start shouting out the names of countries. Yeah. But then that's an incredibly um, broad um, potential data set, I guess. So, uh, were there? I imagine there were lots of issues in terms of you know managing to to do a cross national study in that sense of you know translatability of terms, um, or, or are you rooting studies very much in their own context, and then you know. How generalizing are you trying to be across these contexts? Well, um, to connect to what, what Sophia was saying earlier, I mean, we also had to set up the project on the basis of, of, of the contacts that we either already had or that we were able to get in each of, of, of these, the, these countries. And, and, and of course, the, the main idea uh, is not to be uh, representative or to make any generalizations whatsoever, but rather to, uh, to see what kinds of data uh, uh, that can be used for, for different purposes we can generate mm. with this particular uh, methodological approach uh, that we have. So it's also it's about implementing a certain approach uh, uh, and to be able to compare uh, different contexts and, 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 and also to develop the, 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 the fate QSART, which is uh, a rather new method in, 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 the, in, in this context. And, um, and yes. But definitely a big part of it has been to translate uh, uh, the methods and the, the, the different material that we use to get it to, to work in different contexts. And I guess the most challenging part was the Faith Q set, which is this new method developed by Professor David Wolf and uh -huh. further developed by the project, because it, it, mm. there are 101 statements that relate to worldviews and getting those translated into different languages. And the challenging with, like uh, Michael Asander mentioned earlier in, in our session, with a concept like transcendence that might make perfect sense in the Western context, but even finding a word for it in, in some languages is, is really, really difficult. So at the start of the project, we, we did do a lot of work with this using this double translation process. It has a fancier name. What is it? Uh, well, your double uh, forward and back translation. Yeah, or back and, yeah forward and back translation, which means that you, you, you translate and then you you come up with another you know version and then you you do it all over again and yeah. and, and, and see if, if it changes and, and but the idea was basically uh, to uh, to replicate the, the study uh, in more or less uh, or as a, in as a similar way as possible in in, in every location yeah. so we brought the the research assistants over to Finland for for uh, was it 10 days or something like that something like that went through all the methods and had them practice and then sent them back out in the world. Fantastic. So um, you presumably entered um, the research field here with um, a number of questions, probably a number of assumptions. Maybe you could lay out sort of some of the, the groundwork on, on what existing research would maybe tell us about young adults and religion. And then we can maybe get into some of the uh, exciting findings um, coming from your uh, comparative research? Well, there's a lot of previous research, but uh, as I mentioned, it's very Western. It's the US or in the Nordic countries or the UK, for example. Mm. But there is, of course, a large interest now, not just in, in the field of religion, but in other fields as well, to, to try to understand the current young generation 
I mean, they're coming into the workforce. I mean, how can we handle them? How can we deal with them? So lots of issues coming up. Um, generalizing very much uh, the trends that have been highlighted in, in Western researchers, of course, that we see a decline in religious, um, both in, in self-identification, but perhaps even more so in religious practice in this group. And this has been related both to, to young adults being uh, a face in life. That means that you're less connected to perhaps religious organizations, but also to a cohort that arguing mm-hmm. for that this is a, a new generation that because of their experiences of life, what is happening in society, connected to media, values, and so on, they will be perhaps less interested in, in traditional forms of religion or traditional ways of being religious. Mm. And, and do you find that that um, sort of that model of, of this phase, um, does it does it hold um, in, in different contexts or is that model perhaps quite Western? Yes and no. Uh, I mean, the, the idea with the faith cue set is also to, to get beyond simplifications of talking about religious or spiritual or non-religious and really see that there are variations. Uh, what, the, what this method captures is sort of perspectives on religiosity that shows that in a context that might not just be one way of being religious, there are very different ways of, of doing it or, or relating to or having a worldview. So we get the complexity. We do definitely see that decline to some extent as well. Um, we have in the survey questions where you, you're supposed to just to identify how religious the family you grew up in was and then identify how religious you consider yourself to be. And here we see a decline. But then going into the interviews and, and also with the faith you said, we, we see that it's, it's a complexity in it. There's this idea that runs through the material quite, I would say, independent of context of a freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. But then again, what does this mean in different contexts? And where does it come from? Is it actually the young generation? And, or does it come with their parents? Where does it, where does this come in? So we get, we get some trends that we were expecting, but definitely also complexity. And we see that we need to to understand the context and the cases because it does look different in different contexts. And you might, I might add, more on a meta theoretical level, the the project is also based on uh, on the 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 assumption that um, that values uh, play a much larger role uh, in in affecting how people um, you know think about you know their religious engagements and engage religiously than, than was previously presumed. So perhaps uh, the project, this is to simplify, but you might say that that instead of, of, of regarding religion or religious, you know, beliefs and, 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 and ideas as, as, as something that, that would affect or direct the values of a person, the project is, 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 is more based on a, or rather based on a perspective that has it the other way around. Mm-hmm. So that it is actually values uh, and people's value profiles that that affect their religious choices, and so there's that additional element to it as well. Excellent. Sorry to interrupt the episode, but we just wanted to let you know to remind you about our Patreon link. Uh, the Religious Studies Project has always been free since its inception, um, but we know that there's a great problem in academia with uh, people not being paid for the work that they're expected to do, particularly early career scholars. And we at the RSP want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So you can help if you can spare even one pound a month um, by going to patreon.com slash Project RS and subscribing. We know that these podcasts are very useful for people who are teaching and people in their learning. So if you can help, um, 
either by subscribing there or by making a one-off donation using the PayPal button on our website. It would be greatly appreciated and will help us keep bringing you this podcast for free and fight against exploitation in academia. But now, back to the episode. Before I prod you for some you know, juicy specifics, um, I should ask, um, who are these young adults that you're speaking to? Um, you know, I, I, I gather there's, there's quite an, an age variance and things, so maybe just, like, who are they? Who's been participating? Yeah. Uh, we're focusing on university students, which again, immediately you can say this is a limitation. Everyone else is doing this as well, but <laughs> we're doing it in so many contexts. Um, we actually gave a, a, a paper on this, uh, just in the previous session. And, uh, of course, what we see, uh, we've, we've aimed at 18 to 30, so quite a broad range. But of course, since we're focusing on university students and university life looks quite different in different contexts, that the ages varies a bit. But the variations we've seen in the mean age has been, been 20 to 24. So this is the main focus of the groups. Well, yeah. So I guess that's worth emphasizing it is young adults it's rather young than, adults. um, young people or youths, I guess, in that sense. Um, so I don't know which aspects you might want to pick out. I know, Marcus, you were speaking earlier about um, the use of the internet and social media and things like that. That might be something, but I'm happy just for you to just throw some interesting um, contextual findings at me. Well, we had three um, basic, you know, broad research questions that, that we that we uh, we've been working with uh, since the very beginning, and, and uh, one of which is uh, socialization. So, so what can our our data tell us about what what more what new things uh, do we learn about uh, processes of religious socialization uh, across different national contexts and cultural and social and religious contexts, and for people uh, people in in this age. Uh, and we also had um, uh, a focus on on media use from the very beginning. There's this uh, um, widely held assumption in, in in many strands of research and many many fields of research that that the, the media environment and, and and the internet in particular, a new you know, as digital t- technologies uh, continue to develop, that this will have a particular impact on. On younger people, because these are these are the people who who never knew anything else. Yeah, uh, they have grown up in in, in in this environment, and so there's this presumption that that it will affect their religious lives and their 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 worldviews as as well. And so this allows us to to see how that actually plays out uh, among our limited sample, of course, mm-hmm. but in been a wide range of, of, of different contexts. And then third, we had this, this idea of, uh, uh, presumption really about rising levels of individualism across, mm-hmm. you know, across social and cultural, you know, borders. And that we uh, assumed it was really a, a research question in the true sense that, that we, we, we wanted to find out whether, whether people, uh, would be more, uh, or our sample would be more inclined towards making their own decisions when it comes to religion and and their religious commitments and mm. and, and and to get into that in, in in finer detail perhaps and to see what, what how they actually would describe that kind of a a and way of looking at things if they indeed did and so on so we had those three things uh, that that we, we we've had around from from the very start and then the findings. <laughs> oh, um, it's nice and you know, yeah. easy. 
He's a little thing, yeah. Uh, well, I, can, I can talk a bit about the socialization. Uh, we're doing a special issue on that for, for religion that, that will be coming out uh, early next year, hopefully, still in the in the making. And we're looking at that socialization very broadly from very different perspectives. We're looking at minorities. We're also looking at, at media, how it comes into it. And relating to this individualization, I think also, of course, the, the questions of religious decline, we see is the need to, to have a very broad understanding of, so of religious socialization and an awareness of the many different types of agents that are part of these young people's lives. So looking at the university context, which has, of course, also been studied before, but the importance of peers for this age group, media, how it comes in. And I, I think what most of the articles that, that will be coming that will really highlight is that when we talk to them about their own upbringing, what they consider have have affected is it, it is really complexity and and relating to the previous generations, relating to in some contexts we see differently that grandparents can come in as very central and others it is other aspects. And this is of course the richness of a comparative approach that we see some similarities, but then also uniqueness in some cases. And then there's also of course the the, the data that comes out of the the the, the faith faith Q sort and and I mean in these different countries and and that data generates uh what is called prototypes of, of people so so uh certain main ways you might say of 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 of, uh, of sorting the cards that we have in in the what we call the q set and and so it generates uh prototypes of of religiousness if you will or non-religiousness or anything in between and and uh, what is interesting uh, for me for example is to see how some of the people or the people in these different countries who who would fit into a let's say a, a non-religious uh, in in whatever way we, we define that in a non-religious prototype how similar they are to each other or how dissimilar they might be to each other and and so it also allows us to 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 uh, focus on you know the fine detail of, of, of what it might mean to be mm. non-religious or, or, or religious uh, you know theistically religious you know uh, for that matter so yeah yeah so it allows um that sort of um questioning of is religion the same in different contexts or should we be you know speaking of you know different forms of christianity different forms of islam or does it make sense to have this sort of religion non-religion spectrum and everything? well it, it, yes well it uh, at the very least the, the the, the, the data we have allows us to to ask those questions. It forces us to ask mm. to ask those questions. But then again, each each context should be each national context or sample that that we include should be understood primarily on its own own terms. Mm -hmm. But but uh, on a higher level of abstraction and generalization, we can still make comparisons between uh, different countries and, and and different prototypes that the data generates. Mm. And are you finding, um, I mean, obviously you're only studying in this case, this young adult group, but are you finding um, some insights that you think are more universal than just in that group or? Um? Oh, the big questions. Um, <laughs> I would say not to simplify. Yeah, I, I think the media aspect, that, that is, if, if we want to find similarities, they all seem to be using media. Surprise, surprise. Yeah. But uh, how they use it, how they experience it, even there we, we, we see variations. 
So I think there's there's definitely a need to to not generalize too much, to to realize that there's a uniqueness in context, but of course also in the context we see the variations. Uh, that also comes out of our methods because the idea with the faith key set is really to, to capture variations rather than to say that what is what can we generalize about this to see more more of the variations. But I think that's that is at least what I my experience of very working much with the interviews. Of course, we have certain stories that come again and again. That is related to being a young adult and related to being a university student. Mm. But depending on context, uh, in some of the contexts that we are studying, we see political struggles going on. Some of them, like Ghana, of course, compared to the other contexts, very, very religious. Religion as a part of daily life. As, as some of, one of our research colleagues pointed out, there's not really a secular space. It's all a religious space. And this will shape your experience. And as Marcus mentioned, with the non-religiosity, we find non-religious people in all these contexts, but it's different if it's in Turkey, a very religious context, then in Sweden, where you almost have to explain if you're religious, it's sort of the other way around. So Yeah, that's excellent. Yeah, and that, well, you'll probably both know that's one of the many reasons that I'll be particularly interested um, in the results of this study. So it, it seems that you've um, hopefully managed sort of the impossible in the sense of you, you've got quite a critically engaged worry about um generalizing and 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 about reifying categories and everything and you you've managed to take that um sort of critically plugged in approach and then massive scale research so it's yes well it's it's like uh michael asander uh, who is uh, uh one of the 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 the, the main you know uh or prime you know primus motors of, of of this of this project said in in his presentation earlier today that 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 we we have a good enough result and, yes. and that uh it allows us to do a lot of things it also has its limitations but 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 considering you know the operation that we have had going in, in these different countries with all all that it involves in terms of well, we were already into translation, but uh, other types of logistics. We we ended up uh, with a with a pretty good result that we are happy with. I would say happy enough. Yeah, absolutely. It's been it's been good. Both the national teams have been fantastic, and we have a good uh, the head of our, the project, Professor Peter Nunes, have also done a great work with just keeping it all going. So mm, yeah. I think we're satisfied enough. Good, because yeah, I just a lot of scholars might just hesitate you know, just not go near like, quantitative comparative no let's not do it it's too risky but you know it's great that you you've gone in um with that uh critical engagement too so and um, we're just about coming up to time but um obviously this will have just skimmed the surface and made the listeners think wow there's a lot of data there i'm really looking forward to all the in-depth publications and everything. Can you tell us, you've mentioned a, a special issue of religion. Um, what are the other um, outputs, I suppose, for the project? We also have a main volume that will be coming out uh, with Springer in, in 2019, which is the main findings. A lot of focus on the faith cue set, but also the trying to cover the, the different material that we have. And then me and Marcus and Mia Lerheim, we're editing a volume on religion, uh, young adults and social media. Do you want to say something more about that? Yeah, that's just to, to, to pick up, pick up on the, on, on, on media use and, 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 and social media use, uh, among our respondents, because, 
that that is something that uh, that we can we gathered a lot of data on uh, and uh, our example also uh, well let's say that there are not many uh, similar samples around so it, it allows us to to uh, compare uh, and, and and relate our results uh, to to previous research and that's a way uh, that that we aim to branch out you know to mm -hmm. to to see what to, to try to you know make a contribution um, sometimes well, a larger one or more substantial one sometimes a smaller one but to to other fields so so we try to use the project data also to 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 get into convert enter into a conversation with um, with with ongoing research uh, in other fields that relate to the themes that that we have been focusing on perfection um, and will there be I know there there's currently um, things are sort of hidden a little bit online and will there be a sort of when everything's complete uh, a web presence for the project or? yes i think that that, ha that has been the, the, the plan but our university recently decided to reorganize its 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 web pages and so uh, all of the info is, is hidden behind a a um a intranet yeah. pa pa password wall so so Hopefully, uh, we this fall, we promise we will get this done Perfect. and fixed. <laughs> well, it is June when we're recording, but it could well be um, the website will actually be there by the time this is broadcast. So hopefully, um, we won't have long to wait, listeners. Well, um, we've we've talked um, very much around that project there, and I think we should we should call it a day so we can all go and get some coffee. But thanks so much, Marcus and Sophia. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks once again to Moritz for the excellent audio setup there in Bern. Um, that interview was recorded ooh, six months ago now, so I'm glad that we finally got it out. It's just because we've got so much material at the moment. Rather than have the same person interviewing over and over again for weeks on end, we like to vary them. So that's why sometimes it takes a few months for the material to come out. Yeah, and I think I mentioned when I recorded it, but I'll just flying up again, that you might want to check out um, one of the very first, it was certainly, I think my, it was my second ever RSP interview was with um, Sarah Jane Page in Durham on um, religion, um, youth and sexuality. And then for our Socrel series, I spoke with uh, Naomi uh, Thompson on um, youth and intergenerationality. So I may want to check those out in the archive. Uh, but it was good to get um, what I loved about that interview and the project that Sophia and Marcus were talking about was uh, the the large scale um, quantitative approach and that it had been a big planned project right from the beginning um, in a way that and they were asking critical questions from the beginning which so often with um quantitative work is lacking so i'm really looking forward to um maybe by now the results of that study will have actually been published it was sort of uh, nearing completion when we spoke so do check out the website that they mentioned in the interview and if you're listening to this after thursday the 17th you should probably go and check out the response from amanda ryan um which is you know, on the website, as always. Um, talking of Naomi's, which we were a second ago, next week's interview is one with Naomi Goldenberg, which I recorded at the BASR back at the beginning of September. And it's called Religion as a Tactic of Governance. And um, I've been looking forward to interviewing Naomi for a while, and she did not disappoint. 
But what about religion, though? Uh, yeah, for anybody who was at the BASR, at her keynote at the BASR conference will remember um, there was an enthusiastic uh, response, uh, not all of it positive, to her presentation. Come back next week and find out why. Exactly. Um, we'll play the credits here, so that'll tell you all the usual stuff that you need to know about using our various links, who sponsors us, and who the team is. Absolutely. All we really need to say is, I mean, a welcome to 2019 and, and thanks, thanks for, for listening. listening. The Religious Studies Project is sponsored by the British Association for the Study of Religions, the North American Association for the Study of Religion, and the International Association for the History of Religions. The RSP is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, SCIO, a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation, charity number SCO 47750. Brought to you by founders and editors-in-chief Chris Cotter and David Robertson and our managing editor Thomas J. Coleman III. Our features are edited by Jonathan Tuckett and our opportunities digest by Ella Bock. Podcast transcription by Helen Bradstock with audio editing by Gregory Schneider and Samuel Ward. Social media managed by Ray Radford and sales and marketing by Sammy Bishop. Don't forget you can support the project by using our amazon.com.co.uk and .ca links or donating at patreon.com slash projectrs. And you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Google+, YouTube, iTunes and other portals.